Welcome back syndicated price of business. I'm your host, Kevin Price, talking to you about you and your business. Always love having you on the program, Diana Furcott-Roth. She is uh, really uh, quite brilliant at what she does. Uh, in economist, uh, she's in the highest levels of government. She's in academia as well, and uh, one, with one of the most influential think tanks in the country. Diana, welcome, as always, back to the program. Do you want to mention heritage.org with her uh, Really, these days is where you're primarily focusing on, on I see. Uh, our topic today is very timely about the UAW strike, and it really does bring something the electric vehicle uh, industry doesn't want to focus on, which is the China connection when it comes to EV. It's an interesting, uh, interesting time. Uh, yes, and what's interesting, uh, what's interesting is that Ford has paused its investment in its battery plant uh, in Michigan uh, that was going to be co-sponsored with the Chinese battery plant, CATL, one of the biggest battery plants, battery companies in the world. So it was going to pair with CATL on this battery plant. And you might recall, Kevin, they got pushback from Glenn Youngkin. Virginia Governor Youngkin got a lot of flack for saying he didn't want the Chinese battery plant in Virginia. And people were saying, well, what about jobs for Virginia? But then uh, the Michigan governor said, we're happy to have the Ford CATL battery plant up here. Uh, they signed the deal. They started talking about it. And now Ford has hit pause. Mm-hmm. How much of that do you think is uh, due to the fact that uh, um, the environment economically in Michigan is still pretty hostile to business when you get down to it. You know, they, it, it made massive improvements over the last decades uh, or so, last decade or so, particularly with the uh, reversal of a lot of the closed union shop uh, laws, the end of those, which I would always thought those dis- in uh, Michigan would be among the first signs of the apocalypse. <laughs> who, who would think that would happen in Michigan? Well, it did, but just because those rules change doesn't mean that the factories will change. It takes a lot of momentum to change that. Fundamentally, uh, Michigan's still a pretty hostile place uh, when it comes to uh, particularly large corporations. So talk a little bit about politics, environment, and, and not just global politics, but you know, the whole politics of, of unions and how it makes it difficult. Well, I think that uh, Michigan was giving Ford a lot of incentives. I think there's a lot of political pressure on Ford right now about teaming up with CATL. And CATL has been under criticism for using children to mine for cobalt in the Democratic Republic of Congo for using slave labor in Xinjiang. And I think Americans are just waking up to the China threat. So I think this uh, Chinese plant, uh, which is ostensibly owned by Ford in Michigan, has now become a political hot potato. They knew what the businesses was going to be before they started. They had the tax credits from the IRA. They had more credits from Michigan, and uh, they knew what they were doing. That has not changed. What's changed is the American public is increasingly waking up to the threat of China, 
especially with regards to the EV market. I mean, if we're going to have 60% of new vehicle sales in 2030 be EVs, we do not want to be uh, under the threat from China. We were worried about the Chinese spy balloon. All these EVs are computers on wheels going around potentially spying on Americans. In addition, uh, auto manufacturers, as all of you know, can disable the car from remote. So if you sign up to GM's OnStar, it says if your car is stolen, report it and we will just stop it. How would you like to have China have the ability to stop or disable any of the EVs on the road in the case of a conflict? Mm -hmm. Yeah, in so many respects, this is like the chip problem, uh, you know, that we talked about, where we have to get really creative and, and aggressive about, uh, get, you know, getting so much of chip, chip production that goes to the West away from China, working uh, a lot with uh, Taiwan. It's, a, it's almost like that on steroids with this. Well, yes, and the whole purpose in the Investment Reduction Act tax credits was to be able to enable domestic manufacturing to flourish. It was not to enable China to get the tax credits from the U.S. taxpayer. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's it's a very interesting scenario. And, uh, you know, and again, it goes back to some of the problems we've talked about. You've got a crazy place like California, you know, and, and how it, it blows my mind that I hear among Democrats is somehow uh, Gavin Newsom could be denied in shiny armor to come rescue the Democratic Party. The same, I mean, the same week, uh, talked about the fact that they were going to be even more aggressive uh, about the end of selling of uh, gas cars in California and going all over the same week. And by the end of the week, he said, by the way, don't charge your EV vehicle uh, or, or limit your charging of your EV vehicle because really our grid can't handle it. <laughs> and I'm like, okay, I mean, this is such a fairy tale. It really is, yeah, yeah. And if you look at the... Um front of the Wall Street Journal on Thursday, October 5th. One of the main stories is how China's BYD became Tesla's biggest threat. Uh, and uh, the subheading is once a maker of cell phone batteries, the company's in the running to become the world's number one seller of electric vehicles. So this is not something that we want to have happen if we are putting tax credits, a trillion dollars of clean energy credits, into becoming energy independent. We don't want any of that one trillion of credits to go to foreign countries that are not friendly to us. That's the bottom line. Yeah, absolutely. And that's why Ford is absolutely. pulling out, hitting pause on you know, a Chinese battery plant in Michigan. And so there's like multi-layers of fantasy, if you will, when it comes to this policy approach to EVs. You know, uh, not only... You have a grid that can't sustain it. Uh, I can't even see the you know sustain homes, let alone uh, untold numbers of EV uh, you know vehicles. Um, you know you got you got this ostensibly being done for environmental purposes, creating bat uh, batteries in a place using the darkest and dirtiest coal, that being China, creating power from those batteries. Um, really undermining, you know, maybe all, at least a significant part of the environmental benefits of those batteries. Uh, exactly, yes. 
yes, and people say that you have to drive uh, an electric vehicle around 55,000 miles in order to start gaining the benefits of lower emissions <laughs> because of all the carbon generated to make the battery, to mine the minerals for the battery, to make the EV, to ship it from where it's going to go. So it's not like you just uh, get in your EV and you start um, driving it and lowering it emissions right away. Paradoxically, if you don't drive your car a lot, it's better to have a gasoline-powered vehicle for the environment because you're not yeah. uh, offsetting enough of the uh, carbon emissions that was used to create the vehicle. But, Kevin, we should know that even if we banned all fossil fuels from the United States and stopped all fossil fuels tomorrow, it would only make a difference of two-tenths of one degree centigrade by the year 2100. This is not having a major effect. It's a tiny infinitesimal effect on global temperatures because China continues to pump out carbon. They have a lot of coal. They're interested in their national security. They want to use their coal. They don't have natural gas like we do. They're building two coal-fired power plants a week. And by 2050, they're going to have more than half of the world's coal-fired power plants. So it doesn't do us any good spending trillions of dollars to force our consumers into EVs and to force them to have electric mm -hmm. stoves if China continues to pump out. So I've written in the last two weeks, and I think that uh, Elon Musk said, well, I guess we're going to be creating a uh, factory in, uh, in India. And I'm sure all of that ha was lining up with uh, these pressures that we're focusing on in, in this interview. Uh, although I guarantee you it's going to be a lot, you know, it's going to be dirty uh, in terms of the way those batteries are produced in India. There's no question about that. But I guess it does address some of the security co uh, concerns. Um, although I will say that uh, India is very pragmatic when it comes to national security issues and has always tried to walk the fence between the West and the Russians. Uh, exactly, yes, yes. But uh, China has openly declared uh, that it is unfriendly to us, unfriendly to the West. India is a completely right. different situation. India is a completely different situation. Do you think it's a good situation. idea on, on Musk's part, and will that become a trend? Uh, well, no one knows, but India is a vibrant, growing economy. It's a democracy. It doesn't, have, uh, it doesn't censor the Internet the way China does. There's no comparison. I, I, I get that. And I, and I think if I were a CEO of a company like that, China, I, I, India is like ideal. And for 40 years now, uh, or 30 plus years at least, India has been the alternative for affordable labor, uh, you know, uh, that type of thing that uh, could line up still with Western. But I, I totally get that. Do you think this is going to be a trend, though? It's for other company is going to go, well, maybe we ought to be making a plant in, uh, in India for these batteries and get out of China. So the companies, uh, there's a lot more batteries produced in South Korea. So I would say that battery production might increase in South Korea before it increases in India. And there That's are South Korean battery, battery plants in uh, Georgia, and there are American companies partnering with these uh, South Korean battery plants. It's a company called LG. 
Yes. Yeah. In both cases, though, you know, I just wonder from a long-term perspective because, uh, you know, the labor in uh, in South Korea and certainly Georgia is way higher uh, cost uh, than it is in India, obviously. Um, yeah, but then which is even higher than China. High, yeah. Yeah, well, that's high true. Productivity. That's true, and they're not nearly as afraid of AI uh, that a lot of other industries uh, are. And so uh, they'll, well, if they'll you have, if you have higher wage, yeah, if you have higher wage rates, then you need AI to justify it and make the workers yeah. more productive. So they go together. Yeah, absolutely. So uh, Diana Forgoth-Roth, Heritage.org. Final thoughts as we begin to wrap it up. And plus, I know you have another website you might want to mention as well that has all things you because uh, you do a lot of things. Yeah, I'm at www.dianafr.com is my personal website, or I can be found on the Heritage website. And uh, my message is that uh, everybody should choose the cars they want to buy and not be pressured by the federal government into purchasing these EVs. Uh, The EVs are more expensive, they're inconvenient to charge, they don't work in cold climates, and they make us dependent on China. That's my final message. Yeah, and I will say it's interesting to watch average Americans who are so enamored with EV, more and more, some of them almost devotees uh, that I talk to now, and they're like, well, uh, we think there's been a lot more sell and substance uh, when it comes to this. And so I think there's an interesting buyer's remorse. And let's face it, the buying was done on, on a government. Uh, not the consumer. The consumer never would have gone this route if it weren't for the fact that the governments had made it so attractive from a tax incentive and, and other things. So, um, I don't know, it's almost like the emperor's new clothes when you look at EVs. <laughs> yes. Okay. All right. Well, thank you so thank much for having me on your show. As always, as always, a very, very, I'm always educated every time you're on. I always become a little smarter. Thank you for Thanks so much. I am Kevin Price. Stay tuned for more.